2: Welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host Adam
1: Scalina. and I'm your host Matt Scalina.
2: And Matt, today we had an episode full of cops. It that's was, right. It was kind of like uh, I wanted. To, we should we should leave on the bad boy music today. I think
1: that's a, not a bad idea. I was thinking NYPD Blue.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. The, the, who who was that? The the redhead fellow, David Caruso. Yeah. Ginger, ginger, say what? Uh, yeah, He Crusoe.
1: Yeah, it's uh, David Crusoe, tough guy, kind of an inexplicably tough guy. Right? Have you like, ever met look at him? Met and you're a, like, have you ever met a redhead who's yeah. not tough? though? That's
2: actually true. That's I actually, actually I true. can you think of a redhead who's not tough? I, I,
1: who? I can't. Yeah, that's actually that's totally true. And even if they don't they don't uh present as tough, they'll when still the, when beat the, the hell out go- of you. When the going get <laughs> tough. <laughs> They get going, that's for sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Actually, come to think of it, NYPD Blue, though, you know, David Caruso was uh, the the tough guy that you didn't necessarily know was tough. And then there was Sipowitz, who was also- uh, Was that uh, NYPD Blue, Yeah, Sipowitz Sipowitz as well. Kind of a tough guy who definitely didn't present as tough. Yeah. Uh, Oh, sorry, I was thinking Serpico. No, Serpico (laughs) Serpico was a movie, no. Uh yeah, there was a, a random group in NYPD Blue. Yeah, a show from nineteen ninety four. Yeah. But uh,
2: but we digress. This is this is uh more the the bad boys I would say of of property management.
1: Yeah, and these the guys these guys aren't aren't necessarily property managers. But this is an interesting company, right? These guys uh, are all ex RCMP or ex police, right? drug beat they worked the drug beat for years and now they're working the tenant beat they're doing stakeouts they're doing inspections they're doing uh move outs i'm i'm super excited to have
2: come across these guys because here's one thing so many horror stories about uh people not being able to and 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 not and let's here let's let's frame this a little bit differently most tenants are fantastic i've been a tenant you've been a tenant um, there's great tenants out there yeah But every once in a while, tenants
1: and landlords, and uh, yeah, yeah. not a lot of bad experiences. No, exactly. But every once
2: in a while, you hear about someone who has uh, made a career almost out of career, like like of squatting, right? Um, Or or, right. And Jim has a story of yeah. There's lots of stories in this episode about that. So it's kind of nice to know that guys like Jim that really understand the system uh, know how to effectively. Evict people if they are actually people that are,
1: are they need to be breaking, need to breaking, breaking the rules. Yeah. And the nice thing is, if you're a landlord, uh, a guy like Jim is worth his weight in gold, right? Because he's got, you know, whatever, 25, 30 years as an RCMP, diffusing tense situations. Right. Uh, all that training goes into helping you uh, diffuse your situation. So, yeah. Great company. He's also a landlord. Yeah, Yeah, and and has been been for years. Right. Right. So this is no. This is uh, there's a wealth of experience here. Really interesting conversation with uh, with Jim, so stay tuned for that right. for sure. But what else do we got, Adam, before we uh, we cut to our talk with Jim? A few things. we got the stats. Yeah, the stats just came out. So I, I don't know if you want to go first. You were kind of looking at the board
2: stats and some percentages. I've got some breakdowns in terms of uh, the sales
1: ratios. So why don't you maybe start us well, off? Well, I mean, yeah, not a lot to say here except that August was busy. So, I mean, in putting this in a broader context, right, and we've done this a few times on the show, uh, January and February, basically a year ago today is when the market started picking up, right? August 2019 was when we kind of went from a a down market to sort of shifting into a a busier time again. And January and February, we're really heating up. And ever since May, June, July, we're getting busier and busier and busier. August, we are 30, almost 37% up from last August in terms of sales. Uh, We're almost 20% up in terms of the 10-year average. So this August was busy in relation to last August, but also in relation to all Augusts. And in a lot of ways, this makes sense uh, from my perspective, because we basically missed the spring. We did. So people are looking at this summer and thinking, okay... Uh, the spring was lost. It's a good time to buy, good time to list. It, the market feels much more stable now right. uh, than, it, than it did before. Interest seeing, rates are still low. Yeah, incredibly low. low. And we're seeing po- positive kind of month over month activity. So it makes sense that August, which is historically a very slow month, this is a sleepy, one of the sleepiest months of the year, was was quite a bit busier than than uh, normal for sure. One thing to note, and this is a final thing I'll say, is uh, listings are up as well. Uh, So sales are up, listings are up, which again makes sense in terms of the spring being missed. Uh, But also when we look at pricing in Greater Vancouver, uh, we're up from last August. This makes a lot of sense because last August was basically that last month before we came out of uh, that, that minor downturn. Single family in Greater Vancouver up 6.6% over the last year. So we've had a healthy, healthy last uh, half of 2019 and first half of 2020. Townhomes up 4.4%. Apartments up 4.5%. Uh, overall, I think these stats are pretty positive. Nothing insane, right. but uh, but positive for sure. And I know we've been busy. I, and I'll highlight a couple things. And just to kind
2: of piggyback on what you were saying, Matt. So like one of the things uh, that I had this conversation with a client the other day, but Typically, August is a slow time in the market, right? right? We see these kind of two humps in the market, the spring market, the fall market. And August is often when people are focused on holidays or getting kids back to school. But I feel like these typical trends or historical trends in the market, you almost have to throw them out the window right now with COVID, right? Because this year hasn't made sense. People right. found themselves at home when in a time when they'd typically be busy at work. Um, you know, people have taken time off,
1: uh, people can't travel. They can't, they can't book vacations. So it's like nothing really makes sense this year. No. And a lot of the predictions, like I remember talking to somebody about an Airbnb on the island, right. uh, right when COVID hit and they had something under contract and it was like this good deal and they were really excited and they pulled the plug. And at that time it made sense. I was just on the island. Airbnb is it has exploded because you can't travel. People aren't traveling, tra- yeah, or like, even yeah. in just within the province, within right? Within province, like, yeah. People are not leaving BC, but there's all sorts of things that seemed like uh, logical decisions earlier this year that have turned sure. out to be, um, you know, in hindsight. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but uh, but yeah, yeah it, we predicted it. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> here, here's here's a,
2: a, a, the other thing I'll, I'll mention is a, a, there is, and this is totally anecdotal, but. I think a lot of people, especially agents that are speaking to their clients, there's this kind of get stuff done kind of mentality out there right now. Like people want to just get on with it, right? They feel like they've been railroaded in their life and they just want to get back to to getting things done. And a lot, and we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show, but um, a lot of people got used to their space over COVID and now they're saying, I need more space, right? Exactly. I want a yard that's or I want the to big, move the market. I'd
1: say that's a huge driving force of this market. Exactly. A sure. couple
2: things I want to highlight. So quickly, downtown condos was a, a balanced market at 16%, but still seeing a seller's market up to about a million bucks. So, still a very, very active market between about four hundred thousand and a million bucks in downtown West Side uh, was a seller's market, twenty-three percent overall. Um, That's uh, that's that was it was busy, um, really up to about the one million dollar mark as well. Uh, Two areas on fire on the West Side: fifty-six percent sales ratio in Fairview Slopes, which is means basically over over one out of two homes are selling, yeah. right? Uh, five out of 10 homes are selling. I-, I can keep going up there. 10 out of 20 homes are
1: selling. <laughs> 50 out of 100 homes, I Yeah, would say. yeah exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, actually, it would be 56. Um, but it, here's another one. Kits, 59% sales ratio in Kitsilano for condos and townhomes this past month. Kits
1: is on fire. Kits, Kits is on fire. We've had a, we just had a listing in Kits that... It Exploded. It b- Busy. Started on fire. Busy. <laughs> Literally.
2: Yeah. yeah. It was. A, it was a super busy open house. And then we had multiple offers. So yeah, Kits is where everybody wants to be. I gotta say, I you know I have like over the years have had a bit of a love hate relationship with Kitsilano, but there's so little to hate, especially Let, as you. Uh, I uh, the other live night Vancouver went,
1: went to the patio at the Nook. Yes, Italian restaurant. Oh my god. Really? Oh, Good I, I. Speaking of falling back in love with kids, oh, I'm yeah. Kids yeah, is great. The long trek back to East Van didn't make much sense <laughs> after that night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, east Side Condos,
2: twenty eight percent sellers market. Now you're going to be happy to hear this, Matt. Grandview Woodlands, eighty two percent sales ratio <sighs> for condos. Uh, Mount Pleasant. 57%, almost 60%. So, in other words, if you have a condo in Mount Pleasant or Grandview Woodlands and you're thinking of selling, you're in a very, very strong position as a seller. And last but not least, let's just cover the detached. We got two markets to cover East Van and the West Side. Uh, starting with the West Side, 16% sales ratio. Here's, don't let that number fool you though, because when we look at the West side, uh, there's obviously a lot of really high price point stuff where there's a lot of product that's sitting. The high end stuff is still relatively slow, relatively soft. Um, but look at this—it's a seller's market all the way up to three point five million dollars. Yeah, and an active seller's market. So if you're thinking put that, put some numbers you're, behind that. Well, if you're thinking about you're going to the west side, this is what I will say: if you're thinking about going to the west side and getting a deal like for something around the two and a half million bucks or whatever, it's going to be competitive for sure, especially if it's a good product. Um, and the east side was 24% sales ratio. Um, so still a seller's market right across the board on the east side, but really it was up to 2.25 million where we see really, really strong, uh, strong seller's markets. And, here, and here's an example of that. If you look at the 1.5 to 1.75 million price band on the east side, we're looking at a 45% sales ratio. Yeah. So basically- 5 out of 10 homes, almost 50 5 out, out of a 100. Yeah, are selling. <laughs> 500 out of so 1,000. Very, very aggressive seller's market. This is, uh, it's good news if you're a seller in East Van in that price band. And that makes sense because a lot of people, two incomes, a little bit of equity or some
1: gifted money getting into that market, that seems to be where they end up landing. And right? you know what? East Van homes were down uh, down a year or two ago. They're up 10% right. in, the, in the last year, since last August, up 10%. That's that's a busy market. Hastings Sunrise especially seems wow. to be... Uh, Everything's getting absorbed. Yeah, it's it's the new park at Pandora. Oh, oh my God, those tennis courts. Yeah, actually... Don't, don't, no, we don't, don't even want to... Don't, don't even tell anyone no. about those tennis courts. Keep them a secret. Saw a very, uh, a, a very famous realtor there. Uh, Adam Sklina. No, you were there. I was uh, there. She was playing pickleball. Oh, yeah. She left unnamed. Left left unnamed, but
2: (laughs) she's a a strong pickleballer. Uh, Is that Eight in the morning pickleballer. Yeah, that was... uh, I didn't recognize her until I saw her... Uh, in a flurry of text messages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, halfway through a match. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Living the dream. Uh, anyways, what else do we got, Matt, before we cut to our interview with we, Jim?
1: We got uh, one more thing. We are sponsored this week by Oakland Realty. We are. That is our brokerage, best brokerage in town. No doubt about it. Head over to oakland.com if you want to learn more. Oakland.com slash join. Type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join. BRP 2020, there's a huge incentive for Huge incentive, this. yeah. And if you are a new agent, a seasoned
2: agent, somebody looking to make a change, Oakland is a great fit, best support, best resources out
1: there, and just a great overall brokerage. You know what I'd say? Iron sharpens iron, Adam. Yes. And that's what Oakland's all about. Yeah, exactly. Also, that's what Game of Thrones is about, <laughs> I
2: think. I think. I don't know. There's probably swords.
1: Last but not least, before we cut to our talk with Jim, Adam, we got the hottest club in town. We do.
2: Yeah, it is the seller's club. I, uh. It's it's a best club. It's a lot of bangers. I think I saw
1: DJ Khaled there. Um, it is a great club. The velvet rope is out. The lineup is long. It's still exclusive. But we got room for you. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, exactly.
2: So if you want to sign up for the Sellers Club, it's the best resources in town for sellers looking to get top dollar in the shortest amount of time for their property. We're actually putting out a new resource, Volume 2. Volume 2 is coming. That's yes. right. And uh, Matt, maybe a bit of a spoiler alert, but... It's Let more from just, the angle of if your home did not sell. So your
1: home has
2: not sold. Yes. What's next? Volume two is going to be absolutely great.
1: Make sure you're on that list. And, and, and how do you do that, Matt? Well, there's a few ways you can do that. Head over to com and sign up there. Send an email in the subject line, write sellers club, info at com. Or the easiest ways, literally sign up for the live wire. You're going to get, the stats went out. Basically, before the real estate board put out the stats, we were that's how quickly we're putting out stats. We're also putting out stats the real estate board doesn't put out on the live wire, but we have a link. You just hit that link and hit send. You're in the seller's club. Every volume is directly to your inbox. You won't be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. But without further ado, Matt, let's cut
2: to our interview with Jim Garnett, president of CTI Services. Enjoy. Okay, so we're here with Jim Garnett, President of Canadian Tenant Inspections
1: Services. How are you doing, Jim?
3: Doing very well, thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Jim, for taking the time to speak with us today.
3: Well, thank you for having me.
1: So, uh, Jim,
2: we, uh, we understand you have a, a long uh, history as a police officer, um, which uh, we're going to mind our P's and Q's today here, but uh, <laughs> can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Sure, I um, uh, arrived in British Columbia in 1974 with the RCMP and I worked with them for uh, just short of 26 years here. And then I spent another 15 years at the Transit Police, um, all of that to train for what I'm doing today.
1: And can you tell us a little bit about about what what you guys do over at uh, CTI services?
3: Sure. Uh, we, uh, our primary business is conducting inspections of rental properties on behalf of landlords and property managers. Uh, and uh, the end goal is to help uh, landlords protect their assets. And uh, we do that by uh, uh, doing these inspections, uh, keeping residents safe and secure uh, while we're doing it, making sure that there's no health and safety uh, issues with them. Uh, and that's our approach.
2: So, so after twelve years of of working with tenants, do you miss the drug dealers? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: no, it's a different, uh, totally different culture. Uh, it does cross over from time to time, but uh, 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 no, I don't miss the drug dealers.
2: <laughs> Some sometimes in Yale Town, I'm sure it crosses over <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about maybe the services uh, that CTI offers?
3: Um, sure. So, uh, uh, as I said, our primary uh, focus is on doing the inspections. Um, We also um, will serve documents for landlords. Uh, We will participate in arbitrations uh, with RTB. So we're involved in evidence gathering and that sort of thing. Um, And, uh, you know, we'll do interviews if necessary. Um, And our end goal uh, is to highlight uh, lease compliance issues for the landlord so that uh, we want to make sure that the tenants are abiding by their lease. uh, And at the same time, uh, our inspections validate the owner's insurance. Uh, And a lot of landlords uh, don't understand uh, their insurance policies in that uh, most insurance companies require landlords to conduct a certain number of inspections uh, through the year. And uh, a lot of uh, landlords have no idea that that's even in their policies. Uh, We talk to landlords on a regular basis, and it's interesting how many uh, go back and look after or call their companies uh, to find out that uh, that's one of the requirements. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, when you have a claim on your insurance, the uh, insurance companies are looking to make sure you as a landlord are doing your due diligence. And if you're not conducting inspections uh, as per your policy, then uh, ultimately you're not doing your due diligence
1: so and and yeah that's a, a useful uh thing to point out i feel like most people don't realize uh that you should be yeah there's a number of times you have to be inspecting uh the property each year it, it, as i understand it jim you guys aren't property managers though
3: absolutely not you know and that's uh often we get mistaken for property managers and uh um, that's, uh, it's not our goal to be property managers, uh, property managers have their own, uh, um, uh, processes and functions. And, uh, and we have a different set of processes and functions.
1: So it's kind of an interesting, an interesting business. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you got into, into the real estate industry?
3: Uh, well, I, I first began as a landlord in uh, the mid eighties and, uh I uh, was working with a fellow who was interested in uh, investment real estate and uh, spent some time with him. And uh, as a result of numerous conversations, I ventured out and uh, invested in a uh, revenue property. And uh, after that, made several other investments in revenue properties. And I uh, kind of uh, developed uh, a little bit as a landlord during that time. Then uh, approximately 12 years ago, um, I was managing uh, some properties for the estate of a friend of mine who had passed away. And I uh, had conversation with uh, a property manager who was one of his tenants. And this property manager was looking for someone to conduct inspections of the rental units that um, she had under her portfolio. So that's how I became involved in the business. It was just uh, kind of stuck my foot in the water to see what was going on with that type of uh, job function and uh, i realized when i started doing it that basically i'd been training for 40 years to do this because a lot of the skill sets that i had as a policeman uh, carried over into uh, what i do now um, because the uh you know you're just dealing with the residential tenancy act as opposed to a liquor act or motor vehicle act or whatever so uh, it became a natural fit and that's when uh, we decided to expand the business a little bit and take on other clients. Uh, we made the decision that we were only going to use retired policemen to, to do the job because uh, they already had the skill sets necessary. It was just a matter of them being able to wrap their head around the uh, Residential Tenancy Act.
2: C- can we can we maybe unpack that a bit, Jim? Can you can you talk about some of the skills that uh, that obviously police officers bring to the table for managing tenants or for sure. Screening Um, tenants, I should say?
3: Yeah, things like uh, observing and reporting, uh, observing uh, what might be suspicious activity, uh, conducting interviews, serving documents, giving evidence, uh, and we do that at arbitrations uh, in BC or tribunals in Ontario, Um, neutralizing uh, volatile situations. So we uh, quite often will get called by landlords who, um, for whatever reason, are at odds with their tenants, and in some cases might be afraid of their tenants. Uh, so we will go in um, and help them to supervise what we call stress move-outs, uh, where both parties are at odds with one another and we become the, uh, the calming uh, influence at the move-out so that uh, everything happens smoothly for both parties. Um, so those are the Types of things we do. Um, and the lens that we're looking through is a little different than the uh, average person's lens because what you or um, uh, your neighbor might look at it and say, um, this looks okay to me. One of our people might go in and look at it and go, oh, this is uh, obviously uh, gang related activity. There's criminal activity going on here. Um, that sort of thing. We pick up on uh, those nuances as we uh, do our inspections. And, uh, uh, you know, it might be because of, uh, clothing, it might be because of just whatever paraphernalia we might observe while we're there that, um, would lead us to believe that.
2: So do, do people usually like, do landlords often bring you in when things get complicated then, or is it like, what's the, what's the typical process? Are you involved at the beginning or, or is it usually when things get hairy?
3: Uh, well, we uh, we work with a lot of uh, proactive landlords who uh, want to stay ahead of the curve, so they will hire us to do their inspections on a regular basis. And so we become familiar with the uh, tenants, we become familiar with the property itself, and uh, you know, we're able to uh, note any time that there are changes that have taken place uh, over a period of time, sort of thing that uh, might negatively impact the uh, landlord. Uh, so those situations, uh, are one classification. And then, the, the other classification, of course, are people that, uh, uh, landlords who find themselves going underwater because of what they're dealing with, with their tenants. And, uh, so as a last gasp, uh, <laughs> they'll phone us and say, can you give us a hand with this? And, uh, so we will become involved at that point and we'll help them to, uh, sort out, uh, whatever the issues are. And, uh, We can take them to a certain point. Uh, We can uh, help them through arbitrations and and that sort of thing. When it gets to uh, a level that is beyond uh, where we should be, uh, then we'll recommend that they get counsel. And uh, we've become quite familiar with uh, some residential tenancy lawyers who are very uh, helpful to landlords. So we're able to refer them.
1: So, being a, a landlord yourself, Jim, and spending the last twelve years uh, running CTI Services, what in your mind makes makes a good tenant? And and what are some of the biggest myths out there uh, for for people when they're looking for tenants?
3: Um, one of the biggest myths I've found is is if they can afford to pay this much, they're probably going to be a good tenant. Right. <laughs> okay. That has nothing to do with it. (laughs) Can make a lot of money in crime. (laughs) uh, Exactly. And uh, you know what, Uh, if they're paying that much more for rent, it's because the property is that much more valuable. And uh, you know, the landlord has to uh, really be on their toes to make sure that it's being looked after. Um, But in, in terms of uh, what makes a good tenant, uh, everyone is different. And uh, there are people who are, You walk into a house uh, and they're the tenants there and they treat it like it's their own. And uh, uh, it's everything is neat and tidy and well looked after and everything else. Uh, And then you walk into some and uh, you know, it's it's like the place has been vandalized and you go, what's happened here, you know? Um, And so uh, everyone is different and everybody uh, attaches a different uh, level of uh, uh, responsibility. To being a tenant and how they look after things. And uh, ideally, for a landlord, um, the landlord would like to, uh, if they had to walk in and show the place to somebody on short notice, at least expect that uh, it was going to look somewhat presentable. And uh, that doesn't happen in some cases. And uh, a lot of that comes from the fact that uh, maybe the landlord isn't paying closely enough attention to what's going on at their property. So, and uh, these are big investments. And, uh, for a landlord, uh, when you make a real estate investment, especially in the lower mainland here, or basically anywhere in BC, um, uh, it's going to be an expensive investment. And, uh, just like you would want to look after, uh, watching your stock portfolio to make sure that uh, everything's going well with it. And, uh, you know, being ahead of the curve, if something starts to go awry with one of your investments, uh, the same is with real estate. And I think people have to, uh, uh, go into it as a business, and uh, whether it's one property or a hundred properties, uh, it's important that it be looked after properly.
1: Jim, when you say uh, look after the property, is the is the key here in your mind to, you know, to have a a. Tenant right off the hop, you know, vet the tenant, make sure that they're a great tenant, or is the key ongoing the ongoing relationship, the the monthly or quarterly inspections. Uh, like, what is a is there is there a certain feature or features that lead to uh, success?
3: Uh, I think it's all of that. Uh, I think that when tenants are vetted, uh, when they put in an application to rent a property. It's important that the landlord do their due diligence on the front end to make sure that at least uh, from everything that's available to them, they can determine whether or not they should be getting a good tenant or not. And there, there are different domains that are open to you. And one that I point people to quite often is uh, called the uh, uh, court services online. And that's a uh, in all of the records that uh, will happen in civil court will appear on court services online and it's by name you can go on there and make a query and you can see whether or not this person has been involved in uh, any civil processes along the way and that could be motor vehicle accidents it could be that they were sued in small claims court for something or what i've specifically look for is i look for uh, uh enforcement legislated uh, entries because that indicates that they probably had a writ of possession uh uh, issued by Supreme Court for their eviction out of a property wow
2: that's a that's a fantastic
3: tip it is and i uh, I can give you an example um, please there's a, a woman who lives in Richmond, has four children uh, she has had in the last five years fifteen writs of possession issued in Supreme Court. So essentially, uh, as near as I can tell, she's not paid rent in about five years. And she just looks for uh, um, unsuspecting uh, landlords. And a lot of these are landlords who uh, are looking after their own properties. She targets them, so she catches them about the middle of the month. And they're desperate at that point because if they've got a mortgage they're supporting, they're looking to have somebody in there paying that mortgage for them. And in she goes and uh, her process has been the same just every time she uh, bounces the deposit uh, check, the security deposit check and the first month rent check, and it takes them three to four months to get them out of there, and it takes a writ of possession to do that. So um, this is a a situation that has repeated itself over and over, and uh, uh, I would suspect that she's getting dangerously close to uh, having established a pattern of criminal behavior and likely will get charged one day. But... Uh, that's the type of situation that if uh, any of these landlords had gone to the court services online site they would see all of these entries and they would run away
2: right it's it's funny we we've actually we've come well we work with a lot of landlords um, helping them purchase investment properties and over the years uh, we've heard a lot of stories that resemble that where where people it's it's almost like they've they've devoted their, their life to, to that process of, of going in, not paying rent, and then they have a, a place to stay for three or four months, and then eventually they get evicted. But it's, it, it is a long and drawn-out process for the landlord. Uh,
3: it is, uh, but um, what we've found is that if the landlord does all of their paperwork properly up front, then the process gets shortened uh, significantly. And uh, in British Columbia, just as an example, uh, if you don't pay your rent on the first of the month, on the second of the month, the landlord can give you a 10-day notice. That 10-day notice gives you five days to pay your rent or five days to move. That starts a process. Um, And then you can, through a direct request process, uh, shorten the six- to eight-week normal process of getting to an arbitration and get it down to a week to 10 days. All of that can happen, but it can only happen if all of the paperwork is in order. And too often I've seen uh, tenancy agreements that were not signed by one party or the other, uh, or, or uh, pertinent information was left out of it that should have been included. And as a result of that, um, you apply for a direct request and the tenancy branch will come back and say, well, everything's not quite in order here, Uh, I think you need to go to uh, an arbitration. So it gets pushed six to eight weeks down the road. Um, Then it takes, uh, after your arbitration, it's going to take you another uh, anywhere from three to 30 days to get your decision back. Um, If it's uh, an order of possession and you're going to be serving that on the tenant, that usually gives them two days to move out. And if they don't do that, Then you're in the lineup to get a uh, bailiff in place through a writ of possession. So it it does become a long and arduous process, but uh, there are things that uh, landlords can do to make sure that uh, if necessary, they can short circuit that a little bit.
1: And and Jim, we know you're not a property manager and that's not uh, the goal of the business, but do you consult on on these types of things or, or what do you suggest that people get a property manager, a, a good qualified property manager, or how do you suggest they make sure that they you know, all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted?
3: Well, I guess uh, just the same as they would with their financial portfolio, if they were going to get uh, uh, a money manager to help them to look after some of their investments and things, uh, having a property manager to look after their real estate investments is probably not a bad idea. Uh, if they're not going to pay specific attention to it. And, uh, you know, I mean, let's face it, uh, there are professions uh, where you're so busy in your profession that maybe, you know, you've invested in some real estate uh, investments and uh, you just don't have the time to be looking at them to see what's going on. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would be better served if they would take the time to get a qualified property manager to look after it And, you know, all property managers are not the same either. So, uh, you know, you're better to uh, um, maybe talk to friends or or people that have dealt with uh, uh, companies. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to ask for references, you know, from some of the clientele. And uh, um, people can always uh, give you an opinion as to how they feel this company works or doesn't work or whatever. And that's not a bad thing. I just wanted to point out, uh, just go back to the CSO thing just for a second, the court services online, uh, there's one other thing that uh, uh, is evolving uh, as we speak and it's becoming a very, very useful tool for landlords to use uh, to vet tenants, and uh, that's Landlord Credit Bureau. And Landlord Credit Bureau uh, uh, is expanding, uh, they're uh, North America-wide, and they gather uh, information from landlords about tenant payment behaviors, uh, and that information goes into a database that's accessible to uh, their membership coast to coast. So it doesn't matter if you're a bad tenant in Halifax, Toronto, or Vancouver. Wherever you go that you're looking to uh, to rent a place, if your record is really bad, then it's going to show up uh, if you're a member and you're looking at the landlord credit bureau to get some direction.
2: You know, Jim, we always uh, hear this a lot in in the province um, that the Residential Tenancy Act uh, highly favours the tenant. Do you think that's a true statement or do you think it's just maybe, um, you know, poor paperwork or people not really knowing the ins and outs of of the act? Well,
3: you know, it's uh, uh, the Tenancy Act in B.C. is not bad. Uh, We also work in Alberta and Ontario. And uh, if when you start looking at different things, I know Ontario are making changes to their act uh, and some of the things that they're adopting are coming from British Columbia. And they're doing that to improve uh, the services for both landlords and tenants. And I find that overall, um, it's not a bad system. And uh, the residential tenancy branch uh, uh, go out of their way to uh, give people the right information. They don't uh, make any recommendations or anything else or or point you in a specific direction, but they will give you all the information that you need in order to make the right decision. And uh, I think that's very useful for landlords. Uh, I don't find that they're uh, significantly worse than anybody else or significantly better than everybody else. They're they're well-placed, I think, and I think they've done a lot of research as to... uh, uh, how they can be a service to both landlords and tenants, and uh, they strive to do that.
1: Jim, you, you've mentioned one kind of horror story the the woman with four kids in in Richmond, who's kind of a serial abuser of uh, of properties. Um, do you have some other horror stories uh, that have taken place in Vancouver that you've dealt with?
3: I have many. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we got all day. You know
3: there. <laughs> There are always horror stories going on, and uh, you know, and that's because uh, uh, of a number of uh, factors. And uh, uh, just one that we've recently dealt with, uh, and this has evolved over twelve years. Um, there are two kinds of people that would live in um, a house: a tenant, and that would be somebody that would be named under the uh, residential tenancy agreement with the landlord, or an occupant, and an occupant is someone who's not named, uh, under the tenancy agreement, someone who has no, uh, written or verbal agreement with the landlord, maybe a friend or, uh, uh, whatever of the tenant that is living there. And, uh, what we have found is that when tenants move, they don't always take everyone with them. (laughs) So sometimes these people get left behind and, uh, uh, some would call them occupants, others might call them squatters, uh, but they're not paying rent. Um, they're living there and they're not uh, um, following any kind of guidelines uh, under the Act, so it becomes the landlord's problem to get them out. And, uh, and one specific situation that comes to mind um, is a woman who was living on an acreage. Uh, she... her common law had moved out and left her behind to pay the rent uh, with a couple of kids and so she brought um, a friend in to live in the um, in the basement there was no suite down there but she provided her with a room uh, that friend then moved her boyfriend in uh, and that friend then um, helped her to put a guy into a shop that was on the property and, um, as a tenant uh, and then uh, This friend brought in a couple of horses. Uh, The friend had a dog. Uh, The friend had several uh, exotic animals in cages.
2: Sounds like Matt's place. Some some (laughs) birds
3: uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, Then the tenant and the occupant were at odds with one another, so the tenant gave notice that she was moving out. And so she moved, and she didn't take the occupant with her. So the process um, uh, essentially is that if she doesn't have any rights or responsibilities under the Act, then perhaps she's trespassing, perhaps what she's doing is mischief, uh, perhaps she's unlawfully in a dwelling, but certainly she's not a tenant. And so in this particular case, uh, we had interaction with the RCMP. Uh, We were at odds as to um, what the... Um, actual right uh, thing to do in this case was, uh, and it resulted in um, a couple of things happening. First, we went to uh, the residential tenancy branch and we asked for an arbitration because what we needed to have happen is we need the arbitrator to say, yes, she's an occupant. She has no rights or responsibilities under the Act. She shouldn't be there. And the second thing that happened was that the RCMP went to their legal counsel and got an opinion on it and the legal counsel came back and said she's an occupant under the tenancy act she has no rights and responsibilities under the act so she shouldn't be there uh, that is something that uh, oftentimes happens uh, police forces generally and i can speak from experience on this uh, are too quick to say uh, oh, that's a civil matter that should go to the tenancy branch and the tenancy branch will look and say, hmm, doesn't fall into the act. You should talk to the police about this. Right. So what we have been able to do over time is we've been able to garner all this information and put it in one spot. And so now we have the opinions from both sides in an RCMP file that we can refer people to when the time comes. And um, so uh, when we're dealing with a police force now and we've uh, test driven it a couple of times, We've sent them to this file and had them take a read on it and the uh, response coming back was totally different than perhaps the initial uh, reception that we had. So those things only happen with time and it takes a long time to get everything in the right place. But uh, with that particular instance, I think we're there and uh, we can help people deal with those types of situations. The other thing that we run into quite often is hoarders. And basically 2% of the population, uh, if you do the stat check on it, are hoarders. And so whether you're in a building of 100 people or 100 units or 500 units, uh, 100 units, you can count on at least two hoarders. 500, you can count on 10 hoarders. And uh, that's just uh, what the statistics are. And uh, we found that that bears out time and time again.
1: Wow, and and what do you do? Like, so say you're doing your your monthly or quarterly checks, and and there's a hoarder uh, in the property. Like, what what does that look like? Well,
3: <laughs> it's not pretty.
1: No, um, no, I but, you, and uh, I'm sorry. I mean, like, what, <laughs> what does the process look like? <laughs> so describe so a hoarder's one, each house. one looks different. Sorry, <laughs> I, I was just
3: having you on there. I knew where you were going, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but. Um, What you can do as a landlord um, is the first thing you can do is you can give them notice to clean up. And uh, if they're in a uh, multi-unit building, uh, your first concern should be for the well-being of everyone else in the building. Because certainly their behaviors, um, as hoarders gather things, and they all gather different things because uh, they're all triggered by uh, uh, whatever the mental health issue is that they're having. Uh, and and hoarding is a mental health issue. Um, You have to be uh, tiptoeing around it a little bit and and helping to point them in the right direction. Uh, We've been in situations where we've called mental health workers and asked them to come in. Um, Police forces now have mental health cars on the road. Uh, So if you call the police and have them come and take a look at it, uh, the, the initial response officer can call the mental health car and have them come and take a look. And um, so the mental health cars have uh, basically a, uh, a mental health nurse and a a police officer in the vehicle. So they're able to help people get connected with the kind of resources that they need to maybe help them with the mental health side of their issue. So we get help to get those processes in place and get them headed in the right direction. When that doesn't become an effective uh, solution to the problem, Uh, then we start looking at other things because, uh, again, you have to be thinking about everybody else in the building and how uh, this person's behavior could adversely affect them, whether it be by fire, by rodents, by uh, infestations of flies or whatever it might be. And uh, you have to be a little concerned about what's happening with everybody else in the building. And uh, you don't want to lose 20 good tenants because you have a hoarder living in your building that's causing big problems. So um, after we've helped to identify the problem and to help and to try to help uh, with uh, something on the remedial side of things, uh, if we find that the things that we're doing are not working, um, you know, and that might also include the fire department bringing them in to do an assessment as to fire load and that sort of thing. Uh, then we'll take steps to have them removed, and we do that by initiating a process through the residential tenancy branch and uh, obviously having an arbitration and uh, presenting whatever the evidence is
1: What about like belligerent people pe- violent people do you guys have have you had any kind of really uh, hairy situations where you've had to use your your baton <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, I'm just kidding.
3: Uh, it's, it's now verbal judo. Cause, uh, <laughs> I left my baton and my pepper spray behind. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's different. And, uh, you know, you run into people. Uh, I've uh, gone to an initial inspection at places where um, the response was totally negative. Uh, it was like I was infringing on... Uh, Their rights by being there, and that I shouldn't be there, and that was none of anybody's business what they were doing in the place. Um, By the second or third visit, uh, you know, you get to know them a little bit, you have a little conversation with them, and uh, uh, things settle down quite nicely. Um, I've been in some situations where that kind of belligerence and everything else uh, sometimes has underlying problems that are associated with it. And, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, it could be a mental health issue. no, I'm not a doctor. I I can't uh, diagnose those things, but I I can eliminate a whole lot of other things that uh, I can tell you that it isn't. Um, and uh, you know, sometimes uh, if it's a mental health issue, there's not much that myself as an inspector can do about it. Um, you know, if their demeanor and behavior is something that spills out into the neighborhood, uh, maybe uh, in a multi-unit building into other units starts affecting other people, uh, or in a neighborhood, uh, where it's maybe a single family house where it's affecting neighbors in the neighborhood, then perhaps there's a remedy under the residential tenancy branch to help move that person along and get them into a place where perhaps they're more comfortable.
2: Maybe uh, one other, other question just about kind of flagging, uh, potential, uh, concerns at a tenanted property, but you, I'm thinking about grow ops jim and um also you know the potential of meth labs like are there are there any indicators that um you know when you're doing inspections like is there a way to kind of discern or have you come across a lot of a lot of uh you know drug manufacturing in in your time
3: um it's interesting and and, and in this career no <laughs> in my other <laughs> career I spent twenty years in drug section I saw a lot of it uh, but uh, in this career, it's been interesting because uh, we encourage our landlords and property managers uh, on the front end when they're vetting prospective tenants to tell them who we are. Wow! And say so, you know what uh, we have our inspections done by uh, CTI Services. Uh, they're all a bunch of retired policemen. Uh, they you know they could tell them that we're drug squad or we're gang task force or whatever they want, uh, but. It sends a message to the people that if they're going to be doing things that uh, might be frowned upon in the legal community because of their activity, that maybe they shouldn't be taking this place. Maybe they should find somebody that's not quite so conscientious.
1: That's great, right? That's uh, yeah, that's a useful a useful upfront thing to tell potential tenants, especially if you're concerned. Yeah,
3: we've had uh, we've had property managers tell us that. Um, you know everything uh, right up to that point. They had to have this place. They're you know they're already planning where they're going to put the furniture and everything else, and they're they're ready to move in mentally until they get told that. And then all of a sudden, well, it's between this place and one down the street, <laughs> and we just got to we just got to decide which one we're going to take, and then they never hear from them again. So.
2: Wow, that's a that's hey, your services are worth it right
3: there. I I would imagine. Um, Well, they they just duck a big problem when uh, when that happens, and that's a good thing.
2: So so Jim, uh, after twelve years of uh, inspecting revenue properties, what is one piece of advice that you would give landlords or potential landlords?
3: Uh, Do your due diligence ongoing, like uh, treat it as an investment. You bought a piece of revenue property. Um, look after it like the investment it is. Uh, you wouldn't just hand somebody the keys to your Ferrari the first day you met them and say, "Here, take her for a spin and uh, you know come back in a couple hours and see how you like it." Uh, you know, it's an expensive vehicle. You wouldn't do that. A piece of real estate isn't a very expensive investment. Don't do that with that either. Don't give somebody a set of keys and say, oh, yeah, I'll take your 12 post-dated checks and see you in a year, um, you need to do some due diligence along the way. And uh, you know, either you or uh, a friend, a relative, or maybe CTI services, come in and do an inspection three four times a year and see what's going on in your unit and make sure your investment's being looked after. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls. Uh, that people have, they're they're too quick to hand the keys off and say this is great. We're going to make all kinds of money, and um, uh, this is just a good thing. Uh, and they don't do that extra little bit of due diligence they need to do to protect that investment and make it grow.
1: Last, Jim uh, sounds like you've been in the uh, investment property arena since the the 80s. Uh, should kind of everyday people in your mind, everyday people with busy lives, other jobs, families, should they, should they become landlords if they're thinking about it?
3: Uh, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's a good thing. I had a busy life, um, you know, and I was, uh, certainly my life, uh, in years gone by was not, uh, nine to five, uh, and it wasn't always, you know, being in town sort of thing. But, uh, you know, I did do my due diligence and I did my ongoing due diligence to make sure that I had good tenants and that they were looking after the property. Uh, And I think that, you know, as as an investor, there are different tools available to you and property management is one of them, uh, where if you don't have the time to look after it, find a good property manager, somebody that you can work with. And, uh, you know, it's no different than finding a good accountant, finding a good banker, uh, you know, finding a good lawyer to deal with. Um, those are all key people in your team of people that you want to have. And, and a good property manager is just another member of that team. And, uh, and I think it's really important that, uh, um, if you don't have the time to look after it or the desire, uh, you, you make that investment in a property manager to say, you know, please look after this for me. And, uh, and there are a lot of people that grow portfolios by doing that and just, uh, uh, add to it as time goes on. And that's uh, uh, a good thing for them to do. If, if they're not going to do that and they're not going to look after and they don't really care, um, then maybe they should be in a different investment that they don't have to pay quite that attention to.
2: Great advice. So, so, so Jim, we, we do have this segment called the five wire five, five quick final questions. Can you stick around for that? Sure. Okay, so question number one, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver?
3: Uh, Where I live, White Rock.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Favorite bar or restaurant?
3: Um, Cosmos Greek uh, restaurant, Marine Drive, White Rock, or the uh, Ocean Park uh, pub. Nice.
2: One book you would recommend that our listeners read?
3: Uh, actually there's a couple and I'm just trying to think of the gentleman's name. Uh, he was with bank of Montreal and he wrote a book about real estate and I can't remember his name right offhand. Uh, the magic of thinking big is a great book to read. Um, helps put people's head in the right space to, uh, to make investments, to grow in, in the business community at large, even. it's a good one.
2: Good. We'll, we'll, we'll link to the, we'll, we'll find that, that bank of Montreal, uh, book, and we'll we'll link to it in the show notes here.
3: Don Campbell. Oh, right. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Right. Um, And and there's a fellow, uh, uh, Don Campbell created an investment group that has, uh, I think, literally thousands of of members in it now across Canada, and they help uh, investors who, a lot of them are busy investors uh, and busy in other parts of their lives. Uh, to make those uh, real estate purchases and to manage them and stuff. So, uh, um, you know, that's the other thing that people can do is they can get around people who understand the business and learn a bunch about it. And, uh, you know, obviously the more you learn in in any field, the more comfortable you're going to be in it. So.
1: Great. Uh, One piece of advice you would give your 18 year old self.
3: My 18 year old self. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, a life in policing may not give you everything you want in life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you'll have good stories. At good, good stories. <laughs> you'll Lots be able to stories. spot the bad guys. Yeah, guys. exactly, exactly.
3: Yeah, uh, and I've given that advice to my children, and they've gone in different directions in their lives, and they're being very successful at it. So. <laughs> good,
2: good. Um, and, and last but not least, something that you've purchased for under $1,000 that's changed your life. Wow, <laughs> I said quick questions. I kind of it was a little misleading.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it to, it, it, probably uh, any one of a number of books that I might have read.
1: Great, great. Well, th- thanks, thanks so much, Jim, for taking the time to speak with us today. There's a lot, a lot to a lot of thought-provoking stuff and stuff to chew on there for sure. Uh, how can people find out more about uh, what you guys are doing over at Cti Services?
3: Well, they can go to our, uh, website, which is www.ctiservices.ca, uh, or they, and through that they can contact us. There's an inquiries email on there. Uh, they can call me direct 778-840-7611 or 778-846-9125. Okay.
2: Well, thank. well, thanks again, uh, Jim and, uh, yeah, very interesting conversation about Canadian tenant inspection services and, uh, Appreciate you taking the time.
3: Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day.
1: So there you have it, folks, our discussion with former police, Jim Garnett, who's now the president and CEO of CTI Services. Really enjoyed that conversation with Jim. And I got to say, you know, we talked about this a little bit before
2: we went on air, but really firefighters and cops Entrepreneurial spirit is is uh, alive.
1: That that's right. I mean, you you look at a guy like Jim built up a real estate portfolio while he was still on the force, uh, working yep. the drug beat, and then came up with this great idea. And I genuinely think there is uh, you know there's a need in this space for for people who know how to handle situations that are sometimes tense, and there's nobody better uh, than than the police to do that or former police with that training and experience. Interesting, interesting business and great conversation with Jim Garnett. Yeah, Matt, I really enjoyed having Jim on the program. And you know, I think that would be a
2: fun company to work for as well. Like I if you look at the at Jim's website interesting for there's sure. a few guys in there that look like they've maybe uh they, they it looks like one that they they've could, seen some stuff. Well yeah. Yeah. There's a few guys on the. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, go in there acting tough like I do at our brokerage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> How I go around threatening people at our brokerage. I'm not threatening Elp, people there. No, nobody. Your elbows aren't up at CTI Services <laughs> no, when you walk down the hall. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my invisible lat syndrome uh, disappears uh, very quickly at CTI. Pre- pre-
1: pretty quick around yeah, Jim Garnett. That's exactly. for sure. But yeah, great conversation there. Uh, what else do we have before we cut for the day, Adam? We got a few things. Right. First and foremost, Vancouver Real Estate yes. That is our yeah. website. We have a ton of resources over there. Head over to Vancouver Real Estate for the live wire. This is our weekly mailer, deal of the month, uh, stats before anyone else, stats that you don't get from the real estate board. All the resources, you're going to kept, be kept up to date on what we're doing at the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. We also have the Seller's Club there. This is the easiest way to sign up for the most exclusive, hottest club in town. Yes. You don't have to worry about COVID at the Seller's Club. No that lineups. That is for sure. No, no
2: distancing. It, it's no, all no face just to your inbox. And here's, here's the thing about the Seller's. Just to recap, the Seller's. Uh, Club is really just the best resources to get top dollar in the shortest amount of time for your property. And we have fantastic actionable plans that we're
1: sending out. And volume two is coming. So volume so two is on this list. And, and let's be clear, we're headed into the long weekend. This, the fall market is here. It is upon us. If you are thinking of selling this fall and you are not on this list yet, you're not too late, but you're not too early either. I would say get on it. Yeah. Like winter
2: ASAP. is coming. That's right. That's my second Game of Thrones reference.
1: Yeah. Yeah, podcast. you're. you're uh, I'm rewatching. I'm rewatching. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Well, and last but not least, on our website, we also have the ever popular and ever useful private client services. Because, Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of
2: us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information at your fingertips. It is the best way to search for real estate in Vancouver, and we know we got a bunch of power walkers out there. But if you want to join the power walking club, which <laughs> I got to say is not quite as exclusive <laughs> as the sellers' club, um, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot more neon though. Um, uh, but uh, anyways, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great
1: place to be as well. So sign up for PCS at the Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com If you want to talk about that, walking powerfully pickleball walking powerfully. <laughs> Anything else real estate related, give me a call seven seven eight eight four seven two eight five four or Matt at Vancouver Real dot com. Or if you want to talk
2: about walking threateningly, <laughs> try uh, Adam at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast dot com or 778-866-4574. Or if you want to talk about not walking at all. Uh, we- <laughs> we got that secret line info
1: at vancouver real Estate Podcast.com. I think that's the elliptical line that's <laughs> called gracefully floating <laughs> uh, <laughs> have a good long weekend guys and we'll be back next week take care
3: here you walk through the garden you' better watch your but I beg your pardon, while I'm staying there. If you hope in Jesus, you'll save your soul. You gotta keep the devil
2: down in the hole. You got the faces for
0: radio.
3: Subscribe today. <laughs>